You're listening to the Songs of Jesus sermon series at Sojourn Church, Carlisle. This series explores the power of singing the stories of Jesus. We'll see how these songs are rooted in the promises of God, speak to our deepest longings, and equip us to bring all we are to Him. Peace be with you. If you would, uh, if you're able, uh, please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We're starting a new sermon series today, so we'll talk about that in a second, but today we're going to be in uh, Isaiah 9. We'll be looking at verses 6 through 7, so if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it with me. Um, It'll also be in your bulletin or on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come before you as humble sinners in need of your grace. God, we ask that as we begin this new season of Advent, God, that as we look forward to the coming of Christ, God, that you would help us to remember our deep need of him. We pray that even this morning as we look and and talk about what it means to long for Christ, that you would speak to us in new ways. We ask that you would speak to us this morning, God. We ask that your spirit would soften our hearts and illuminate in new ways the gospel to us. Pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. So we're starting a a new sermon series today, as I said, and this sermon series, as you can see on the front of your bulletin, is called The Songs of Jesus. So over the next four Sundays and Christmas Eve, we'll be actually looking at a different Christmas carol each week. These Christmas carols, we need to understand where they came from um, to to help us um, look in depth at, at how they can move us. We need to know that Christmas carols, they originated as songs for the everyday person. That back in the day, these songs were things that everyday Christians could sing. Whether they were on their their way to work or working themselves, it was a way that they could announce the hope of Christ as they were going about their day. And in this time when they originated, they were a way for people who probably couldn't read to remember and rehearse the story of Christ. So as we set out in the series, there's three really important things that we we need to, to know about Christmas carols. First, that carols are emotional, okay? So carols, you're going to have a hard time disassociating it, but carols originally were what they called drinking songs back in the day, okay? For, for water and soda and stuff. But they were, they were, they were drinking songs nonetheless, right? They were, they were written um, lyrically and, and musically to evoke emotions within those that were singing them. So that's the heritage of them. Now, the Christmas carol was co-opted, Right? And it was, it was um, created to do the same thing, to evoke emotion within the people that were singing them. 
But the way they differed was that they spanned the whole breadth of human emotion. It wasn't just about singing happy-go-lucky songs to, to have a good time and a joyous time. It was recognizing the breadth of human emotion, singing about emotions like longing or sorrow, but also things like hope and joy. So carols are emotional. Carols are to be embodied. They're, they're to be in our bones, right? People sang them on the way to work. As I said, they sang them out in the fields. They sang them all over the place, in their homes. It was something that they did regularly. They were trying to rehearse the story of Jesus. It was supposed to be embodied. It was in their bones. It was never intended to be private affair. It was to be a public acclamation. And third and lastly, carols are empowering. Carols should always move us to action as we rehearse the story of Christ. We find affirmation for all that we are, for all that we suffer, for all that we hope for in these texts and these songs. So we're thus empowered to be, to be more of who God intended us to be. We're to press into practices that may not be culturally popular, like longing. So carols are emotional. They're embodied and they're empowering. So as we look at the carol or the songs of Jesus over the next few weeks, hopefully they will help us more fully embody the promises of God and the hope in Christmas, while at the same time exper- experiencing the breadth of emotion that was intended to be experienced as humans. So this week we're, we'll be looking at the carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which we just sang a few songs ago. But we're going to be looking mostly at how this carol points to the emotion of longing. So as we begin, we first need to look at the longing of advents. If you have your bulletins, there's an outline there. You can follow along with me, but we're going to start with the longing of advent. So as you think about the Christmas season, odds are the first emotion that you think about is like happiness or joy, right? There's nothing like getting in your PJs, getting a hot cup of hot chocolate and watching White Christmas or Christmas Vacation, right? It, it just puts you in a mood. But there's many people who experience the other side of those emotions, who experience pain, sorrow, sadness. Now, typically, you're either all in for Christmas or, or you're all out, right? And, and if you're all out, then you're labeled as a Christmas villain, right? Maybe you're, you're the Grinch, Yeah? Or a further back reference, Scrooge, right? Next one, do we have a Scrooge? Yeah. Or maybe even a Hans Gruber? No? If you don't understand that, that's a reference for the younger folks, right? Hot take of the morning, of this morning, right? Die Hard is not a Christmas movie, okay? Don't at me, don't at me. But, okay, the, the plot of every Christmas movie, right? What happens? It, it's about... The person that loves Christmas foiled against the person that hates Christmas, right? And the, the sole purpose of the movie is to get person who loves Christmas to convince person that hates Christmas that Christmas is amazing. And they always win out, right? Because Christmas joy trumps all. Okay, amen. <laughs> but let's talk about real life, right? What, what happens if, if several visions of Tiny Tim don't change your perspective, or a million hugs from Cindy Lou Who, they just don't make your heart three sizes bigger. What are you supposed to do? If you experience the pain of this season, you experience 
sadness in this season? You just stuff it down, put on a happy face, throw the, Chris, the Christmas sweater on, even if it's a little bit tear-soaked. I want to propose to you today that if you experience those feelings, if you are on the other side of, of the happy-go-lucky Christmas experience, that you're actually embodying the season of Advent probably better than most people. Because I think at the root of those feelings of pain and sadness, what's at, at the bottom of that is the emotion of longing, the feeling of longing. And I think the season of Advent, when we think about it, the emotion of longing, the feeling of longing is, is the one that we miss out most. But I would argue is one of the quintessential feelings that we should experience in this season. The Advent season, it, it's a time of anticipating the coming of God in Christ a time of, of turning our imagination towards the revelation of God's love for us. And this, this, after all, it, it's, our, it's the deepest longing of our heart. And our natural longings, we need to understand, they always point to something that's real. They point to reality. We, we get hungry because there exists a thing called food. Right? We're all still probably recovering from Thursday, but... You're not hungry right now, probably, but we experience hunger because there's food. We experience thirst because there's such a thing as water. I think we experience longing because we know that deep down, there's something that should fulfill us, ultimately. The season of Advent, we, we experience th this deep longing, I would argue, more so than any other season, or, or maybe we should experience it more so than any other season. So this carol that we're looking at today, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, it's a great example of deep longing that should exist within us. But what or, or who is this yearning for? To understand that, we, we need to, to look back a little bit. To understand this experience of longing for us, we need to look back at the longing of Israel that we looked at this morning. So going all the way back to Genesis, right? God promised to a man named Abraham that God would make Abraham and all his descendants his people. But years and years went by, generations went by, and there was this cycle where, uh, the cycle of, of sin and disobedience, where Israel, God's people, their obedience would ebb and flow. Kind of like our experience, right? Their seasons were, were abundantly obedient, were doing really well. Then we get a little bit complacent and get fat and sassy, right? Then we get a little bit disobedient. Then we swing into to really, really, I would argue, darkness, right? This is what's going on with Israel right now. Swing into darkness. And then God has to wake us up at this rock-bottom moment to experience a, a renewal in our, in our hearts. This was going on with Israel, generation after generation, and they had reached a point that I would argue was one of the darkest moments in their history. They're about to be pushed out of their homeland, the land that God that had promised that they would get to stay in and live in and experience the fullness of his presence. In the background of all this is, is a promise that God made way back in Genesis 3. 
Genesis 3.15, we read, And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring of, of Satan, or the enemy, and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. So at this place in Israel's history, nations around them are gaining strength. Countries are rising up. God's presence and his protection is becoming weaker and weaker, or less and less, because of how Israel's been disobedient to him. But still within them, the prophet Isaiah is reminding them of this promise that we saw in Genesis. They're looking for something. They are resting, even in spite of their sin, they are resting on this promise that a Messiah, a Savior, would come and rescue them. That's what we see in the song that we sang earlier today. This is, this is the cry of Israel in the season of longing that they're in. It says, rejoice, rejoice, because Emmanuel shall come to you, Israel. This is the place of, of longing for Israel where, our, where our, our carol comes from. It's the longing of Israel that we see in the book of Isaiah. And that title that's repeated time and time again that we sang multiple times throughout that song, it's straight from Isaiah 7, 14. Now remember, this is the darkest time in Israel's history. They are in deep sin here, about to get kicked out of their homeland. But Isaiah is here to remind them of the promises of God. He says, all right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. You see, throughout the carol, we we see different titles for Emmanuel, God with us. We see several different ways that God is described, and each one speaks to a different characteristic of the Messiah, which points to the reality that, that God is going to meet our needs in different ways. God is unchanging, but we as people experience the gospel in different ways. And that's the beauty of the song and the beauty of the gospel in general. Look at one of the other titles. O come, thou key of David, come. This title uh, for Emmanuel, for, for Jesus, comes from Isaiah twenty two twenty two. It said, I will give him, the Messiah, the key to the house of David, the highest position in the royal court. When he opens doors, no one will be able to close them. When he closes doors, no one will be able to open them. This, this is beautiful. This key of David reference is a reference to David who was the hero of Israel. But Isaiah is saying someone is going to come that's going to do greater work than him. And what's he going to do? It, it says in, in the carol we looked at, open wide our heavenly home and the Messiah is going to make safe the way that leads on high and close the path to misery. Elsewhere, Emmanuel is referred to as, as the day spring. This is taken from Malachi 4.2. It says, But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, a different way of saying day spring, shall rise with healing in its wings. The longing of Israel is that he would disperse the gloomy clouds of night. They're in utter darkness and death's dark, death's dark shadows put to flight. So at this darkest time in Israel's history, they are looking for and they were longing for the Messiah. They were experiencing a lack of God's presence and protection as a result of their rebellion. The nations were rising up against them and they knew the day was coming soon that they were going to be pushed out. But they also knew and they also rested in this promise 
that someone would come and save them. So in this deep need, they were longing for their Messiah. As we talked about earlier, our longings speak to who we are at our core being. We hunger for that which we truly need. Israel was on the, on the verge of being at the lowest of lows, kicked out of their homeland, subject to slavery again. They knew they needed a Messiah. And Isaiah, like a good and faithful prophet that he was, reminded them of this. He reminded his people not only that the Messiah was promised, but that he truly would come. We read this in Isaiah 9-7. This is awesome. Look at this. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. He says, hey, you're, you're yearning for renewal. You're yearning for rescue. You're yearning and longing for the Messiah. The Lord of heaven's armies is going to make this happen. He's going to do it. So for years and years, Israel longed for the Messiah because they trusted in the promise that God would make this happen for them, that the Messiah would come. They believed what it says in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7b, that the government will rest on his shoulders, that he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end and he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David, for all eternity. Every year when we enter into the season of Advent, we are sharing in this legacy of longing that Israel's had before us. It's a season for us to remember the longing that Israel went for, and in an important act, it's a way for us to remember and practice the longing that we have experienced as well. It's a way for us to long for our Savior in the same ways that Israel did for generations. Pastor R.C. Sproul says this about the Advent season. He says, The Advent season is that time when we seek to, in a manner of speaking, mute our memory of what has already happened, that we might brighten our joy that it had happened. We leave the already of his Advent, his coming, to taste the bitter of the not yet. We, in short, go back that we might look forward to his coming. I love that. We, we, we seek to mute our memory. We seek to, to forget what has happened so that it might bring us greater joy when we remember that it did happen. Dur during the Advent season, we should remember that at one time, we ourselves cried out, O come, O come, Emmanuel, that we were longing at one time for a Messiah. We forget sometimes how great our need was before we experienced his salvation. We, we forget that, that we were crying out, come, O dayspring, push back the darkness, shine a light for me. Or come, rod of Jesse, come and free me from Satan's tyranny. We forget that we said, come thou, key of David, unlock the highway of heaven and close the path of misery. We forget that. If you remember from our study in the book of Matthew, all the way back in Matthew 1, we, we know that the Messiah has come. He was born as a baby, just as Isaiah said it would happen. And we read this in uh, Matthew 1, through 23. He quotes the text that we looked at earlier. It says, All this 
took place, Jesus' birth, his coming, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. If the Messiah has come then, can we experience as deep a longing anymore? I would argue that we can. But to understand this, we need to look at the longing of the church. How, how do we, here and now, long? What does it look like for the church to long? So Advent, it's a time of paradox or, or tension, right? How can, as we talked about earlier, how can so many people experience such great joy in this season, yet so many people experience such great sorrow? Or even in ourselves, how, how can in my body, in my soul, how can I experience such great joy at times? And such great sorrow at other times. The reality is that these two experiences, even though they seem opposite of each other, they, they go together. They're two sides of the same coin. What I love about Advent, and, and more specifically about the songs of Jesus, is that when we sing the songs of Jesus, we're actually singing them with two meanings. We're singing them to, to rehearse the longing of Israel that we've seen, the longing for the Messiah to come. But we're also singing for the Messiah to come again, as we've been promised. Hebrews 9, 28, it says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly, eagerly awaiting, waiting for him. So Christ will appear a second time. Revelation 21, 4, it tells us that when Jesus returns, he will wipe every tear from their eyes, from our eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying, or pain. We experience longing for that which we need, and that which we ultimately know should be so. Author Max Lucado, he, he picks up on this theme of longing with regards to the season of Advent. He says, we celebrate the first Advent, so the longing of Israel, to whet our appetites for the second we long for the next coming. Our, our, in, our intuitive longings, the, the things that just well up inside of us that we can't help, they're there because something exists. We, we long for renewal and restoration because we know renewal and restoration exists. Those of you who experience deep pain and sorrow and longing, I, I would argue that you, you're, you're living this season in an appropriate and healthy way. We experience longing as a church because we know right now that things are not the way they're supposed to be. If you remember uh, uh, back in the Gospels, Jesus' friend Lazarus dies. And Jesus goes, even though he full well knows he's going to raise him from the dead, he goes and he weeps. He's not weeping because he's sad his friend's gone. He's weeping because things are not the way they're supposed to be. Ecclesiastes 7, I, I, I read it a few weeks ago, and it's just been blowing my mind. It says, it's better uh, to be at funerals than at parties. That sorrow is better than laughter, 
because sadness has a refining quality. Merry Christmas. <laughs> but if we believe that, if we believe that what God's word said is, says is true, then we should be experiencing longing. We should be crying out to God with our deepest needs and our deepest longings because we know that things are not the way they're supposed to be, but we can trust in the promises that God is going to make them the way they're supposed to be. If you're here today, I just want to invite you. We, we should cry out these songs of Jesus with deep longing within us. When you're spending Christmas with a family that's ravaged by divorce or infidelity, oh come, oh come, Emmanuel, please come back. When you're moving towards Christmas and, and you're, not, you're not worried about getting gifts for the kids, you're worried about feeding your kids. Oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. This is not how it's supposed to be. When you're, you're moving to another Christmas and maybe it's the first, maybe it's the, the 30th year without your spouse. Oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. When you're coming to Christmas again, you still don't have the, the baby you've been pleading with God for. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. God, come back. This is not the way it's supposed to be. As a church, we, we cry out, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, because we are longing for Christ's second advent, for his second coming. We long for him to come back and restore things to the way they're supposed to be with no more family dysfunction, no more poverty, no more death, no more infertility. As we enter into this season of Advent, the season of longing, we remember that our God who was once faithful is going to be faithful again. He was faithful in his first coming. He, he is faithful to come again to bring the restoration that he promises. Until he does, we wait, we long, we plead, and we cry out with the saints of old, O come, O come, Emmanuel. There's undoubtedly someone here, maybe um, you've never experienced the grace of God before. Maybe you are a Christian, but like Israel, you're in a season of, of disobedience and are in utter darkness. One of my favorite verses of the carol that we have looked at today says, O come thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save and give them victory over the grave. Emmanuel, God with us, he, he has the power to save. If you're stuck in darkness, Christ has come and has shown a light that's what we talk about time and time again in the season of Advent, that Christ's light has shone into the darkness. So if you're here today and you're experiencing a, a longing and you don't understand where it can be satisfied, I, I want to point you to the one that has come and that promises to come again. There's something in you that just, just as you have longings for food or, or longings for drink, there's a longing within you that is longing to be redeemed by your Savior.
Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he, he was a German uh, pastor and theologian. He says this, the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. This is the reality for all of us. Jesus tells us that it's, it's the sick that need, that need a doctor, not the well. The celebration of Advent, I love this, is only possible for those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look for something greater to come. It's only those who recognize their great need that recognize the greatness of their Savior. Every week when we gather together, we celebrate a meal called communion, and it reminds us of our great need and our great Savior. In a very unique way, this meal, as R.C. Sproul said, it's a looking back and a looking forward. It's a reminder of what Christ has already done for us, that he has come and rescued us. But it's also a reminder that we will be feasting in the house of Zion one day. That we will be uh, invited into the, the, the supper of the Lamb. That we'll feast with people from every tribe, tongue, and nation one day. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread. He broke it after giving thanks. He said, this is my body broken for you. In the same way, he took a cup of wine. He said, this cup is the, uh, the cup of the new covenant sealed by the shedding of my blood. As often as you eat this bread and you drink this wine, you're pronouncing Christ's death until he returns. Here at Sojourn, our tradition is to break off a piece of bread and to dip it into the juice. There will be gluten-free elements to my left and your right. Um, there will also be instructions on the screen in a minute on which station you should go to. Uh, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, we ask that you abstain from this meal, not because we want to exclude you, um, but because this meal is, about, uh, is for those who are about the reality of Christ, who have um, committed their lives to Christ. As you come forward today, I, I want to urge you to, to remember that this meal is a meal of longing. That not only does it remind us of what Christ has done for us, but it is a reminder for us of what Christ is still yet to do. Let's pray. I'm James A.P. Fields, Jr., lead pastor at Sojourn Church Carlisle. Thanks for listening. We're a church that is rooted in the community of South Louisville. And we are seeking to advance the gospel of Christ in South Louisville and beyond. For more sermons, info about our church, and ways you can support our ministry, visit SojournChurch.com backslash Carlisle, C-A-R-L-I-S-L-E. God bless.